Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am Mary Catherine Ham, your host, here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How's it going, my man? Hello, Mary Catherine. Well, last Saturday, I finally returned to the movie theater for the first time since December. Oh, look at you. Yes. What did you see? Oppenheimer. Ah, I how figured did we if feel? I'm going to go back, to, well, I had to take my daughter and her friends to do their preschool shopping or whatever. I am not lingering for that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I am not going to Cotton On or one of these is stores. That a thing? I don't Forever know 21. That's... I have no idea. You know these. Yeah. Cotton On is one of them. I'm not doing that. So Claire's or wherever. So I figured here's a good way to kill three hours. And I went to Oppenheimer, and it was it was quite an amazing production. There's parts of it that actually made me interested in science wow. and wanting to learn about. And I, I understand there's probably another podcast where I could discuss this, but I can't or won't. But it did make me want to learn more about, for example, Werner Heisenberg. Had you seen? Have you seen the movie? I have not. Yet. Okay, and Heisenberg's eventual collaboration with the Axis in the race to get the bomb. So that that stuff is very interesting. But I do have three thoughts here. Three okay. thoughts for you. I'm One, ready. it's too sympathetic. I still think it's too sympathetic to Oppenheimer at the end of the day and, and how people were treated poorly for their beliefs in communism. Right. You know, and the blacklist. And they were blacklisted in various ways, not just the Hollywood blacklist, but the careers. And Oppenheimer was a commie. Okay, there's no question. Even if he did, did or didn't have his Communist Party membership card, he was a commie. He was certainly a commie sympathizer. His brother was. That's the first thing. The second thing is we did have to drop the bomb. And I understand, and it is horrible. It is horrible when the, the final death tolls of Hiroshima and Nagasaki are taken into account. I understand that. But if you put yourself back in that time, what a wonderful, lighthearted way to I get know. into the show. By Your the morning show for any hour. <laughs> Except Tune now. in, guys. After, after what happened in Saipan and Okinawa, and basically a whole island commits mass suicide, it would have been at least 3 million American deaths, casualties, and many millions more Japanese unless the emperor gave the go-ahead and said, you know, we're going to surrender. And it was just unclear if the generals were able, were going to prevent that from happening. So, you know, hindsight, 50-50, okay? And then finally, Florence Pugh, who plays Gene Tatlock, who he has a relationship with, and she right. is a communist. I probably would have joined the Communist Party USA if it was Florence Pugh. If you have, you have to see this. I can't get into it. I'm just going to say, see the movie. So perhaps that's why people are sympathetic, you know, <laughs> because of the casting. Let me tell you something. A plus, Not the ideology. A plus on that quadrant. Not duration, but man, oh, a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Really something. So, so I have heard. And the, But the other thing is this, and this is spot on, about all these intellectuals who were communist sympathizers right. and it started with this, you know, with the Spanish Civil War and the whole deal. They could afford to be communist sympathizers. They had these wonderful, comfortable lives that, in reality, they would not have. Right. And it reminded me... It's always wild to me that the artists and the intellectuals yes. oh, are like, oh, oh my gosh, yes, this sounds like a great idea. Right. Meanwhile, they're being thrown into gulags That's overseas. exactly right. And I remember a German telling me once, if you see a gathering of, in, in Germany of these really well-dressed you know, men and women, and they're drinking fine wine and having hors d'oeuvres, they're probably members of the Green Party. Because, you know, they can afford to they can afford to have these have the luxury to have these crazy views. OK, so that's it. Just a, some light fare to little, start with. A little, well, you know, Mary Catherine, how are you? <laughs> so 
I didn't see Oppenheimer, but I will. I, I do want to see You it. saw Barbie. I saw Barbie. We did talk about this. So we covered Barbie. Hey, look, this is what we do on the show, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yes. There look, we did it. We, we covered it. You know, it takes us a couple weeks because we both have children and we don't get to things right on opening no, weekend. But, no, you know, no, if I'm you want a slightly that. delayed movie review, we are here for that's, you. Okay. In case you're wondering. That's right. <laughs> I would like to see other a, a couple other things in the theater. I still haven't seen Sound of Freedom. I still haven't seen no, the Spider-Man movie in the theater, and I would like to take my kids to see uh, that because they would enjoy the it. The animated one, yes. So, yes, I am, I'm, I'm working on it. Hard to get these things on the calendar, and also when you go, it costs you 100 bucks. Oh, it's ridiculous. So, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay, what's been going on with me? We got the kids back to school, mm. and I would like to say that on the very first week, we delved into an all-about-me sort of art project for one of the kids uh, where you had to sort of draw little pictures of things things they're into, right? So favorite animal, favorite color, all these things. Any sort of poster board-like project for school, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let me just say, that's my wheelhouse. Okay. Okay? Do you get excited with like a big blank poster board? Oh my gosh. When I was in elementary school especially when this is the height of poster board making yes i was just a killer man i it is it is my greatest place it's where i'm most functional is if you give me a poster board and a deadline do you spread it out on my parents are listening to this like we recall it differently (laughs) but do you spread it out on the floor or a table like take over definitely floor floor you just sprawl out on the floor and the thing is I thrived in school. It was it was very it was built for me, built for my brain. And I was very good at these things and I as you guys know, I'm not really a planner for anything else, but when it comes to poster board, I you have are. I have a plan. Okay. Okay? And the letters are spaced evenly and if they are not by God, they will be redone. Okay? Here's the thing. My kids not like that. And I have to learn to let go. This is what parenting looks like, guys. I have to watch yeah. as the letters collide with each other violently at the end of the poster board because we did not plan. Yeah. On a beautiful poster board, a beautiful, nice, big, white, ready to be. Yep. I have, to, I have to watch as those block letters are formed crookedly. Did you, would you use like a ruler with a, like a little pencil to give you oh, a fine to make things even? Yeah, man. Wow. As so even impressive. as possible. Yeah, so I was like my dad. Yeah. Now I will say, so we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And my kid is a great cartoonist. So the pictures that she draws are far better okay. than anything mm-hmm. I would ever do. So I want her to feel that flow. I want her to be in that moment. You know, I don't want to be messing it up with my block letters and my OCD. But it's like way off. It's not. But I got to yeah. just, I got to let go. You can't live vicariously. There's a lot of, you want to project. Yes. I do too. I was, this morning I watched my son make eggs. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? Don't, you got to put butter on that pan. It's my pan. Well, yeah, you got to be careful on, with your pan. It's, just as somebody needs to be careful with a, my poster board. It's a scan pan. You got to treat it with love. So, I'm look, it's a process. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better at it. And I'm, we're learning some workarounds, some some strategies to make her work neat, even though you, it doesn't you, have to be quite like my work. Do you give her just like gentle nudges? Like, ooh, I would suggest... Making it less. I mean, how gentle messy. do you think I am, Vic, as a person? But you didn't commandeer. You didn't say no. That's the, that's the, the point. Is I'm uh, we're no. building strategies. Okay, we're making St- progress. Did you say building strategies. Yes, and we're letting we're letting the artistry flow, yeah. which is okay. a thing that I don't really have, and I want it to come out. 
Okay. But this is like this is no. a metaphor for all of parenting. Yeah, it's a learning experience for parent and child. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Yeah. You know, we have some news about the podcast uh, itself. We do. We do. Don't week, get nervous. But... Don't get nervous. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not a, nothing like that. Getting hammered featured this week on an interesting semi-viral media bias chart. Yes, interesting. From an ad company, ad ad fonts media. Yes, ad fontes, ad fonts. So they they apparently study. <laughs> I've never heard of it before. You know? Okay. But I've they've done a, a sort of a long-term study mm-hmm. of podcasts and where yes. they are on the spectrum. Yes. So there are two. We're featured. I was surprised. And, and we got, you know, I we first got a notification from our old friend, she's not old, Alex Nestor, and said, I spy uh, you and me. And I said, what is she talking about? And then I see this chart, and then I got nervous. I said, where? Uh-oh. Where are Uh-oh. we? And then what does it mean? Let me okay, figure so, out the graph later. So, so explain what's happening. So here's the graph, okay? Mm-hmm. We have on the X axis, that's correct, right? The, uh, <laughs> the X and the Y, yes. yes. On, that, yes. on the X axis, we have left to right bias. Left to right, I'm biased. And oh, then no. on the Y axis, we have from sort of least reliable into Lies. opinion in the middle yeah. and into most least opinionated and most reliable at right. the very top. I would like to say that our positioning on this graph is so on brand, I couldn't have picked it better myself because it is moderately right. And moderately reliable. <laughs> moderately accurate. Thank yes. you very much. I, I, you, thank that's you. Exa- you summed it up perfectly, Mary Catherine. That is right. Moderately right and moderately accurate. Reliable. I got I got so excited when we saw, I saw a picture. I was just trying to see who was around us. Yes. And then I was just looking at one of the axes. I don't read charts well. So then later on it occurred to me, oh, wait a minute. I see. There's a left and right. But I didn't look at the, the, yes. the bottom that explained what the axes represented. And one was, of course, your ideology and then the other one was accuracy. Your accuracy. So the only let me add, I have a couple of questions for okay. you. The first one is is the sweet spot the upper northeast namely being conservative and accurate and who is up there? There's like if not uh, us. Well, it's we're in a little cluster over mm-hmm. here with Hugh Hewitt. Okay. Good Will Kane, Ben Dominic. That's like sort yeah. of our mm-hmm. our area. Okay. Like for instance Joe Rogan is a little bit Closer to the middle, but further down yes. in reliability. Is that, is that fair or unfair, you so, think? So here's the thing. Do I think that people who make graphs like this are likely, more likely to give weight to left-leaning mm-hmm. information as correct information? Mm-hmm. And often sort of the the mainstream gets these things wrong. Right. So you might get counted down for things that are, in fact, Right. Yes, exactly. Is opinion is it is it bad to have opinion that they don't agree on? Right. Versus accuracy. We're just talking about opinion. Well, and this is why is I'm comfortable bad? with our position because our position is right on the opinion slash mm-hmm. some variability and reliability. So yes. that's that's we fine are, with. If me. you look where we are in that northeast quadrant, uh, we're more right than wrong. I think that's the way to put it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And you know what? And, and, and you know what? That's all I'm looking that's for. That's all I'm looking for. That's a solid you, batting yeah, average. How, how, how do they figure? How did they figure it out? They could have. Do you think they? Somebody's listening to every episode. Well, this it's interesting because it says they've they they have been monitoring. It says they it's more than 2,500 episodes. Right. We're highlighting. Feel sorry 60, for those guys. 64 on August. Look, yeah. I think we provide yeah. a good show. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm talking about if you Inter- have to listen to entertaining. All the, I'm, I mean, if you have to listen to every podcast, that's what I'm saying. Every podcast. So it's, it's more a than lot. 20, it's a lot of information. More than 2,500 episodes, mm-hmm. and they featured 64 of 680 yes. political podcasts on this chart. It's awfully and nice so to be we're, featured. We're there. We're our little our little mugs are right there. I would say in the middle, towards the most reliable, like right on the middle yes. line toward the most reliable. 
is the Wall Street Journal's podcast, right. the uh, Newsworthy. Yes. So those are the... So, I mean, again, if you want to score high on that part of the bracket, if you will, or a quadrant, if you will, then you have to be like, welcome to Getting Hammered, and now the news. Yes. And then just... And we're, we're, look, we, we do well, do we opinion, do, we do, but yeah. we like to get our facts correct. And I'm always open to corrections and clarifications from our audience. Oh, yes. And I, and I hope that we maybe reliably they took, do that. Maybe they took note of that, that we do do corrections from time to time, you know? And maybe they just listened to a couple episodes like the canned cocktail one and thought, I mean, you know what? That's pretty fair. Obviously reliable. Accurate and fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind. Okay moderately right and moderately reliable, we move towards the news. Let's talk about some post-debate polling, shall we? Yes, enough time has now passed. We have a better assessment right. of what happened. So I have two I have two different takes on that yes. because obviously different polls are going to have different different results. This is morning consult yep. as of August 25th. The key takeaways from it are former President Donald Trump's support went unchanged after he skipped the matchup in Milwaukee. Ooh, look at that alliteration. He remains backed by 58% of the party's potential electorate. That is a lot, guys. Maintaining his 44 percentage point lead over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie each saw their support increase by one point in this poll. Now we go to, this is an Emerson poll. Yes. Different results in this one. Mm -hmm. Former President Trump saw a slight decrease in his support among Republican primary voters after he skipped the first GOP debate last week, according to a new poll from Emerson College. The poll, which was conducted August 25th through 26th, found 50% of GOP primary voters said they planned to vote for Trump, down from 56%. Yeah. In a pre-debate poll and the lowest support to date in an Emerson poll, obviously that would be good news for Haley, Pence, and DeSantis, who all picked up some of that support. But who knows what the actual result? This does this does reflect some of the snap polling. Yes, but I you know snap polling is a little tricky. Right. So for Trump, it's interesting because like oh he slipped from fifty six to fifty. He just has to win, and to yes. still have a fifty percent rating against not one or two opponents, but an extremely wide field. Right. He just has to win, and he may still very well skip the next debate because he can. I would Not until it gets really close, and I don't see that actually happening. You did mention Nikki Haley, and I think of all the candidates in the Emerson poll, she really did surge, yes. relatively speaking. I mean, she, she went up by maybe seven points or something. She went to that from effect. 2% to 7%. Yeah, okay, 2 7%. So, that, so that was a big a jump. A big bump for her. Yes. And, and that's kind of something that I was hoping for based on my experience having watched the debate and my thoughts about, oh, I thought she did pretty good, particularly how she schooled Vivek yes. Ramaswamy on foreign policy. And she, she actually had a, a very defined position on abortion, her position, I'm not talking about the position, your position, but she had her position down. This is why this is a bad idea, or this is why it won't work, or why we're wasting our time, because you need 70 votes in the Senate to get, you know, the federal ban, etc. Okay, good for her. We'll see how she does. Trump has other problems, and this is not something that we uh, are, are really addressing uh, on this episode, but in a future one, but the, his trial for uh, one of the indictments is now set for in March 2024, the day before Super Tuesday. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? The magic of scheduling. He He's not going to be able to be on the campaign trail. 
Right. And that is something that's very interesting. So you see these numbers now, and again, we can get into the other polls in a second, but certainly we tend to think that it's foolish for for a Republican to be you know, supporting Donald Trump, who is in a very precarious situation and who may not be able to run, depending right. on what happens in the trial between now and 2024, in the event he gets, let's say, convicted and a state has a law that prevents you from being on a ballot if you're a convicted felon, right or wrong, right or wrong, yeah. it's going to be a problem. And it's... you think, gosh, there's got to be other candidates out there who maybe share the same policy beliefs or 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 is just generally a good, solid conservative and doesn't have to worry about four indictments. But that seems to be a, a minority yes. opinion. Yes. I think we do not reflect. No, we don't. So please, and look, and one of the, one of the reasons... We don't necessarily reflect the GOP primary electorate on this. I think the question is whether that support for Trump is soft-ish, soft, <laughs> very soft. What right. What is it, right? It's been pretty pretty galvanized throughout the indictment season, shall we call it, the summer of 2023. It has galvanized over and over again, his support. And Oh, it jumps from indictment to well, indictment. And it's, and it's interesting to see, that's why it's interesting to see that he, if there is some movement from not showing up at the debate stage. A, I think that's a, like incentivizes the correct behavior because we want politicians to talk to voters. Sure. So that's number one. Number two, the question for the guys uh, and lady running against him is can you sustain any of that momentum for a month until there's a debate again and he once again doesn't take mm -hmm. the stage and does that shave off a bit from his inevitability argument, right? right? But the folks who think that he could win are not, running with nothing because this Emerson poll, for instance, yeah. has him beating Biden by two points. Yes. And like, even more so when you throw in Cornell West. Yes, that that is true. That is true. We have the third party oh, issue. Yes. Our friend uh, and he's not even the real third party. He's the Green Party. If you if you threw in, let's say, Mansion Mansion Hogan ticket, I it, it, it would chip away more from the Democrats than from the Republicans. Yeah. Our friend Kristen Soltis Anderson, who is a pollster and someone mm -hmm. that I trust has written for the New York Times, the thing is, most Republicans really like Trump. So her argument is, looking at polling, that Republican primary voters aren't looking for an off-ramp. They aren't interested in being rescued no, from Trump. No, they're fired up. They believe that he is the one who can beat Biden and that yeah. basically anyone could, but they feel like he's, he's number one with a bullet. He's the one who can do it. And she, she starts out, much of what is happening in American politics today can be explained by two simple yet seemingly contradictory phenomena. Most partisans, this is both sides, believe that the other side is more powerful than their own, while at the same time feeling quite certain that their own team will prevail in the upcoming election. So so it's, it's actually just sort of this thing we've been doing for several cycles now, which is like, the other guy's so terrible. But even though our guy's terrible, he's so much terribler that we're going to be totally fine and we don't yeah. really need to worry about the basics of blocking and tackling and making your life as easy as possible in, in an election. Yeah. No, it's like the race to the bottom. And so we should be going in the other direction. One I, would hope. The, one of the numbers that struck me in Kristen, in, in Kristen Soltis Anderson's piece is the people, the Republicans who were saying, oh, I'm looking for an alternative to Trump. You know, maybe somebody else, whether it be Tim Scott. Or whoever, and the reason for looking for these alternatives is not because they think Trump's going to lose to Biden. Right. They just want somebody that they might be more inclined to agree with. That's it. In other words, 
they are, as you mentioned, super confident that at the end of the day, Trump will prevail because Biden is non compos mentis. The problem is there is a very large chunk of this electorate who will, under zero circumstances, vote for Donald Trump, yes. right? It's whatever. For, it's for the, 50 for the plus 70, percent. For the 70 to 80- Which is a problem. Yes. For to, yeah, exactly. For the 70 to 80 million Americans who did vote for Trump, there was uh, several million more who voted for Biden. And you have to assume those people aren't going to start suddenly switching, regardless of uh, Biden's mental capacity. And, you know, people, you know, then, you know, the other side would say, well, what are you saying, that they'd rather vote for a vegetable, a stroke victim? And they basically did in the Oz Fetterman race. Yeah. And they had no qualms with that. If you if you yeah. do not offer a yeah. real alternative They'll for them, with. they will do that. Yeah. We yeah. we learned <laughs> we learned that lesson. But did we? I was about to say we learned that lesson. And, <laughs> and Kristen's point is that in the fall and mm -hmm. winter of 2022, it did look like the GOP had learned that lesson, right? And was interested in turning a page. Now, some argue, again, hides, hindsight's 2020, that DeSantis should have announced earlier. But I I feel like. There's there's no rational argument no. at that moment that you need to jump in the race as soon as you have no. shown your your huge win yeah. in Florida. I don't think that would have made much sense. But there was a time when voters were more primed for that argument, and it was in winter of twenty two twenty three. Right, right. For Trump to win and this belief that they can be that that he can beat Biden, two things have to happen for Trump supporters. Number one. They have to show up to the polls well before Election Day. They can't rely on because this is something that we paid a price for. Republicans paid a price for in the past. Because if you put all your eggs in that one basket and anything can happen, your car could break down, you could have bad weather, you could be sick. And there's no reason for that if yeah. you've had plenty of weeks to vote. So get in that game. And then the second thing is they have to hope that, again, as I mentioned, that he's not disqualified from any particular state ballot. Mary Catherine, you have a drinking problem. I'm just going to tell you right now. I just spilled water all over myself because I was trying to avoid the mic. <laughs> I hate to tell you this. You, you're, you have like an airplane. He's got a drinking problem, the pilot. You know what? I think that kind of behavior is presidential. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I do have a question for you. I have a question for you, which is, if you pose the choice of saying, okay, if, if, if the argument is Trump versus Biden, but most Americans, including Democrats, think that Trump, that Biden is not in great health, that he shouldn't be running, or that he won't make it through a second term, and that you'll end up with Vice President Kamala Harris. Is that an argument that helps the Trump people by saying it's going to be Trump versus Kamala Harris? Or is it the reverse? Because Governor Mike Sununu in New Hampshire just said, if you vote for Trump, you're basically voting for Kamala Harris. They Everybody, in, in other words, everybody, everybody assumes that Biden's going to be gone one way or another. Yes. But Including uh, the Democratic Party. Including the Democratic Party. But is this something that helps or hurts? Look, I think the bottom line is that Republicans have been dealt a very vulnerable opposition candidate yeah. in all the metrics. It's really amazing. In all the metrics. And what they're what they're trying to do so hard is make the general election as hard as possible for themselves. Yeah. That it's is that is the position that we are in right, right. right now. From I my mean, if view, it were, if it works out for them, great for them. The retaliation will be so unbelievable, you know. <laughs> but the uh, but if it doesn't, then you're going to have a problem. And you know, I just imagine for the Democrats, it's a pretty easy job because all, all you have to do is play the highlight reel. You know, the Trump's greatest hits. Right. January sixth, 
you know, quotes of him reminding people of all the many insults that he's had so many and he's dished out so many insults we've forgotten. Like I like the ones who were captured regarding McCain or making fun of Carly Fiorina's hair after she had chemo. I mean, really awful stuff. Um, I want, by the way, while we're on this discussion, I was going to mention a uh, a listener uh, by the name of Dirty Deke, who says that, you know, we were talking on the last show about Asa Hutchinson. I said, why does he call him Ada? Yeah. He says it's, not like Ada as in a girl, but Ada as in the Americans with Disabilities Act. What? Yeah, ADA. I don't, and he goes, I can't say, you know, but Trump said, I don't want to get in trouble. So we don't know. What does it but mean? Well, they were, I will say. I would be of, shocked because that would be so beneath him. Speaking of gendered insults, this past weekend, Ron DeSantis, shortly after the debate, went to Iowa to the Field of Dreams and was oh, yeah. tossing around a ball with his son, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr., tweets a picture of Ron DeSantis batting which Ron DeSantis is quite good at because he was he a, played he was a D1 yeah that's D1 right Yale yeah I think yeah, so I believe so a collegiate scholarship yeah, yeah, yeah sure baseball player yeah. he's batting his form looks good because he was a collegiate player and he says Ronda Santis must be transitioning or something like that wow and again I think it's a reference to the fact that he wears cowboy boots which is standard fare for the Republican trail. Yeah, I, yeah, this yeah. is I know they want to make a thing out of it, but re- Republicans wear cowboy boots. This mm. is a normal thing. But yes, he referred to him as Rhonda Santos. Do we want to spend the rest of the election cycle and four years with somebody who spends as much time hurling, you know, coming up with insults and nicknames? That's probably. I, guess the, I think the answer is yes. Okay. Yeah, as as Kristen concludes, Republicans both deeply fear a 2024 loss and also can't fathom it actually happening. Well, I would like to introduce you to Hillary Clinton, who yeah. also could not fathom it happening. Right. Like, there's no way you're going to elect this person. Yeah. And and if we're looking at, I mean, that would be the most amazing thing if that actually happened or it's Biden-Harris. I mean, and people were perfectly fine knowing just knowing, even though they're not going to say it to his face, but knowing that he might not make it. And through, through, right. look, I mean, who knows? Nobody knows anything. I, I will say, to go back to the morning consult poll, there was one startling development in that poll, which is that Aza uh, Hutchinson, he doubled his support. He ah, went from zero to one. Look at that. Look. It's a 100% increase. 100% increase. I we, don't know how long we this do math. keep going. By the way, speaking of math and the race to the bottom, the two candidates for president right now, are both older than President Bill Clinton, who just turned 77. Oh, stop. Really? Yes. I didn't even know that. That I thought you were going to spring the Reagan line on me. Nope, that is wild. It has been a long time since that man was in office. And yet, he is 77 years old. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, we did Boomer President. Yeah. And then we did it again. And then we did it again. Then again, we're going to do it forever. Yeah. No, we're, except for Barack we're, Obama. Yes, except for Barack Obama, we're just in the cycle. We can't get out of the cycle. They don't want to. They none of them want to leave. They, they, you know, they they're all there. Where's so, the hook? Yeah. Where's the hook? Yeah. All right, one more campaign trail story yes. about Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh, right. Yeah. Eminem has sent him a cease and desist letter demanding he stop rapping his music on the campaign trail. I believe we have a little clip of Vivek at the Iowa State Fair. Going all millennial on your ass. The clocks run out. Time's up. Overplow. Stand back to reality. Oh, okay. Did you say ashes? Ashes. I was. Ashes. I was. I was. Uh. I. Oh, I should say. While I was in Milwaukee at oh, yes. the ruthless live taping or live performance, whatever. Yes. You, yes, you yes, okay. 
I met a bunch of Getting Hammered fans who came up and said hi to me. And among them was a dad who said, I appreciate you guys keeping it pretty clean because I do listen with my kids and I don't have that many podcasts I can listen to with my kids. So thank you to that person. And he said, I even appreciate that sometimes when you need to cuss, you censor yourself a little bit. So that's an example of that. I'm just trying to help everyone out. That is true. And and sometimes I want to talk about things that I can't. Mm -hmm. And I have to obliquely. Yes. Obliquely. Yes. Yes. His, all his dirty jokes are oblique. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, again, I'm letting so, it because I have more to say, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not okay. going to say it. I'm not going to say it. So, uh, okay, continue, please. I'm sorry. Eminem says he stood up and he told 2024 Republican presidential candidate and hopeful Vivek Ramaswamy to stand down and stop rapping his tunes on the campaign trail. He reached out to the music licensor BMI and asked that the Ramaswamy campaign's license to use his music be revoked, according to a letter obtained by DailyMail.com. So here's the thing about stories like this. It always happens to Republicans, okay? Always. You can play Brooks and Dunn, maybe Alabama. There's not that many options, okay? <laughs> Without getting a cease and desist letter. Here's the thing, though. If he's just rapping, first of all, I joked uh, on Twitter that this is this falls well within millennial mid, midlife crisis fair use doctrine. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're just allowed to rap Eminem if you want to as a millennial in this country. Like, there's no... Right. We, that can't be subject to copyright, I've decided. This is just karaoke. I'm not sure that that's how it works. So he's out on the trail. He's just rapping. He's being, he's being dorky. And the thing for Ramaswamy, though, is that he gets the first news cycle from rapping, mm-hmm. and he gets another news cycle from being told not to yeah. rap. Yeah, so he continues to be on the news. And somebody just resurrected a 20-year-old clip of him as part of a, a live audience with Chris Matthews and Al Sharpton <laughs> asking him, why should we should, why should we vote for you? You have no political experience. A very interesting clip. Fantastic. But by, by the way, we should play a little bit of that real quick. Let's get to my question here. Go ahead. Reverend Sharpton, hello. I'm Vivek. And I want to ask you, uh, last week on the show, we had Senator Kerry. And this week and, and the week before, we had Senator Edwards. And my question for you is, of all the Democratic candidates out there, why should I vote for the one with the least political experience? Well, you shouldn't, because I have the most political experience. <laughs> I got involved in the political uh, movement when I was 12 years old, and I've been involved in social policy for the last 30 years. So don't confuse people that have a job with political experience. I believe that is 2003. Yes, it's before Sharpton had the surgery. Yes. Because he's still, he's old Sharpton. 2004, it's a hardball gathering Uh, of young whippersnappers. This is is Chris Matthews at his height, the height of his powers. Yes, the height of his powers. And look, I don't think that you should be held accountable for your 19-year-old on TV political expressions, right? It's fine. Like, who knows what he believed back then? Who knows what he believes now? That's what we're working on. I don't think he should be held accountable for that. I do think it is reflective of the type of candidate and person he is that he would be at yes. the young political yes. whippersnapper gathering no. asking questions. He knew then. For Chris Matthews. He knew then. Did you see also that among the other people who asked a question at that event, no. one Pete Buttigieg. No, he wasn't at the same one. Oh, stop I it. think so. Stop. That's too crazy. I am checking oh, this right gosh. now. Yeah. During Harbaugh College whippersnapper gathering. Yep, it's there. It's right there, everyone. That. Yep. That is amazing. (laughs) Um, 
I hope I hope nobody finds the one where I was in the live audience for a McLaughlin show. Not the McLaughlin group, by the way, but John McLaughlin had his own TV show up at Fort Lee. And I asked, and it was a, a segment on child prodigies. Oh, wow. And I got a chance to ask a question. And you were among the, the prodigies. <laughs> no, I was in the audience this, with my high school this class. This young man can put a comma where it belongs like like we've never I, seen. I, I, called, I said, yes, thank you, Dr. McLaughlin. I said, and I said, I just want to ask these the, these child prodigies who are you know, so amazing, but is, is it worth the trade-off of not having a normal childhood? Like yours truly. I didn't say that part. And then, and I remember McLaughlin then uh, turned to them and said, yes. You know, what do you think? How do you feel about not watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something like that? And they're and, like, uh, we're fine. Yeah, we're going to make a million dollars. Yes, they did. And here I am on the show. But, but here no, you are, I, having, here I having fun and I'm, drinking martinis. I'm, yes. and, I'm, and, and These a, are our accomplishments. And in a quadrant that is mostly reliable. That's and correct. Right. Okay. So I do want to go back to the Vivek Eminem thing. Okay. Again, it only happens if you're a Republican, as you mentioned. It, dro- it drove me nuts in 1992 when the Clinton campaign would be playing nonstop Fleetwood Mac's right. Don't Stop Thinking Those, About Tomorrow. Yeah. And in fact, Fleetwood Mac played for them. OK, that's how naturally. Good it was. And what did Bush have? Lee Greenwood. No offense to Lee Greenwood. And it's a wonderful, beautiful song. But that's all we had. And then either you're playing Lee Greenwood or, as you mentioned, some other country music act or Ted Nugent. That's it. Yeah. And and I was thinking about Trump. Who played Elton John and and who, who else did and the Rolling Stones? Right, right. At his concert, he doesn't care if they're upset or not. He no, just, he just he doesn't. He care. just keeps blow on right past. And he's that. got plenty of lawyers, so they're, they're not worried about it. But it always happens to Republicans. It doesn't matter where you are, by the way, on the spectrum. Paul Ryan and I knew this from back when my wife Kate worked for Paul. Right. So when he was just a congressman, she already had known him for many years. Right. And that he was a fan of Rage Against the Machine. This was not a newfangled thing where he was trying to sound hip Trying to be cool. cool. Right, he right. genuinely listened to them all the time. And it finally came out that he was a fan of Rage Against the Machine. And they came out to condemn him for listening to their- Like I love it. They're like, you can't be my fan. And it's yeah. like, well. <laughs> no, that's it's, oh, Chris Christine, Bruce, Springste- uh, Bruce Springsteen. You know, this love- hate relationship uh, it's tiresome it's, so ridiculous. it's, it's a little tiresome it is i do tiresome. i do Come not love me. i understand the artist being like i'm distancing myself mm-hmm. from this but like who actually believes that eminem is a supporter of vivek right. because he's right. singing at his event Please. also i think this gets to like our problem as a society with just needing all art yes and all politics to be like as literal and mm-hmm. in a bucket as possible and I'm going on a tangent here, but the Richmond, North of Richmond oh, yes. uh, guy, sure. musician, who, you know, that song hit number one on the Billboard charts. It's a real phenomenon online and in the real world. It speaks to a lot of people. And it speaks to a lot of people because it's carrying a lot of disparate messages that speak for the working class, but have sort of like maybe a left-leaning tinge in some areas and a right-leaning tinge in some areas. You know why? Because that's how a lot of voters feel, mm-hmm. right? They don't have right down. No the partisan line That's beliefs, right. yet our system needs, so needs mm-hmm. we got a pigeon to hole put in. this man yeah. and his song in a bucket mm-hmm. that is red or blue, yeah. that we ruin the song, and the guy is desperately trying to tell mm-hmm. every reporter he speaks to, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not lifting this right. group or this group. I'm lifting these rich people, some of them right, some of them left. Maybe just like keep it a little amorphous, guys, but we can't do that anymore. It all has to be very literal. Yeah. Very, very literal. And then and then and then you can't like the song. Right. And then you either like the song or you own everybody by saying, haha, right. the guy who wrote the song doesn't like Republicans. Well, yeah. He doesn't like politicians. Yeah. 
the guy who wrote the song believes in doing things for yourself instead of the government doing for you. Gotcha. Okay, yes, there's a lot of different sentiments in one song, guys. That's how it works. Art, what is it? You went on a tear. Art 101 with Mary Gavin. That was something. But no, I agree, 100%. 100%. See, I love this. It's too much. It's too much. Okay. We're we're blowhards is what we are as a society. (laughs) As a society, that's what we are. Yes. By the way, just fact-checking, Pete Buttigieg was surprised during his hardball town hall on Monday night. This is written in 2019. When the MSNBC host Chris Matthews aired a years-old clip from the show in which the Democratic candidate featured Buttigieg, mayor of India's Indiana's South Bend and a contender for the party's Democrats 2020 nomination, had asked a question of the candidate back in the 20, 2004 Democratic primary. Matthews showed the 2003 clip of then-Harvard student Buttigieg asking former Missouri Congressman and Majority Leader Dick Gephardt why he was the only primary candidate not attending a youth-oriented event and if he thought young voters mattered to his campaign. So they were at the same place. Oh, what a ticket that would be. <laughs> they should consider it for different reasons. It would be really interesting just to see what happens. Just team Dick, up, guys. Dick Gephardt. There's a blast from the past. Yes, indeed. By the way, I'll give Vivek credit. As much as we're we're going to delve into his political views, and I think that he's perhaps not suited to be a great mm-hmm. politician, he has had many other accomplishments. Whereas oh, Pete sure. Buttigieg has a, been like oh, really public sector billionaire, millionaire, yeah. mayor guy and perpetual candidate for a long time, aside from his service in the military, which I commend him for. Yes. So at any rate, we will. We, I'm sure we'll be covering Vivek more in the future because he's intent on making a splash at all times. Yes. And as the Free Beacon reported, he has switched his position yet again on Israel. So now he says that if it doesn't work out, we'll still continue funding Israel after 2028. I don't know where you might have gotten that idea from, but I never said anything. Look, I will say this, is that if you have misstepped enough, Nikki Haley is a a good candidate, good resume, and, and as you saw on the debate stage, pretty good on her feet. Yep. But it is rare that you get sort of an applause line or an ovation line on foreign policy. Oh, yeah. If you give her that opening, you have messed up, right? So he I, he does not know the things that he needs to know to have these conversations. There is a world in which you have a different position yep. than older GOP candidates, right, that reflects some of the electorate mm-hmm. that is more cautious about interventionism. Right. But you have to do it well. And he did not do that. And he keeps sort of backtracking and going different places. Okay. Uh, we have to cover the sad news out of Jacksonville, Jacksonville Florida. Yeah. Just a just a brief, I want to go over first the victims, because especially sure. when there's just a handful of folks, you can actually give a moment to their, their names and who they were. A, a white gunman opened fire at a Dollar General store in Jacksonville this weekend and took the lives of three black folks i think two were customers or one was an uber driver arriving at the store one was an employee and one was uh shopping there so it's 52 year old angela michelle carr she was an uber driver dropping off a passenger mm. at the dollar general by the way he, i should lead with this also it's fairly clear that this is a racist yeah. motivated attack uh and that he went after them because they were black he was a white man in his 20s she was an uber driver dropping off a passenger when the gunman opened fire ashley carr her daughter said she knows that the fan this always stuns me when victims uh, and their families do this. Ashley Carr said she knows that the family of the gunman who killed himself at the scene feels grief as well, and she is praying for them. So clearly a well-raised yeah. young lady of compassion, which means her mother was too. So just that's always stunning to me when people say that. A.J. Laguerre Jr., 19, he spoke to his father, spoke to NBC. He hadn't even lived his life yet. And for somebody to take his life away, it's outrageous. He had just graduated from recently graduated from high school, I believe, and was working at the Dollar General for extra pocket money. 
Yeah. Gerald Deshaun Galleon, 29, who's, who's, daughter's mother spoke for him they are not in a romantic relationship but she said he was a very on the spot dad from the time her mom said from the time my daughter got pregnant till yesterday gerald never missed a beat and that he had planned to spend this that part of that day with his daughter so those three souls lost in this terrible incident which by all accounts is motivated by racism so now we get to the media response oh, sure. to such the things. media take and the political response to such things which which i again i could i could spend all day being depressed about just the incident mm-hmm. as we all could because it's so terrible and then the coverage somewhat remarkably it ends up getting even more depressing right because of the way we deal with it as a society and one of the ways that we deal with it is is with the the ap's framing of this story which i'll just i'll just start reading a little bit about it. This is from Tallahassee. This is an allegedly straight reporter piece. Ron DeSantis scoffed when the NAACP issued a travel advisory this spring warning black people to use extreme care if traveling to Florida. The leading civil rights group argued that the state's loose gun laws and the Republican governor's anti-woke campaign to deny the existence of systemic racism created a culture of, quote, open hostility towards African-Americans and people of color. And then it says just three months later, this happened. Okay. That's uh, Steve Peoples, by the way, who yes. is the uh, national correspondent for the Associated Press. Yes. Yeah. This part, used to be just a f- plain old wire service. Yes. This know? part I found interesting, too. They used a person to criticize DeSantis. DeSantis went to Jacksonville. There was, at first, some, you know, a big uproar about, will he go because he's right. campaigning for president? Of all the things you can say about DeSantis, not being on the ground for Florida incidents of is tragedy not, is not yeah, really yeah. a criticism. Oh, now he he's make, here. Right. Isn't he always around? He is. Yeah. He is there. So he goes. He knows that this is going to be fraught. He ends up getting booed. That becomes another oh. story. And they're just waiting for that so they can just broadcast that. Whereas I think fewer outlets showed Biden being booed. Right. You know, in well, Hawaii or Nevada. Or so this is how it's characterized. DeSantis, a person that they interviewed, criticized DeSantis for not explicitly describing the killer as a racist at a Sunday vigil in Jacksonville. DeSantis was booed at the vigil where he called the shooter, quote, a major league scumbag and said, quote, we are not going to let people be targeted based on their race. So this is one of those situations where I think it's set up so that you can't have the right answer. Yeah. Oh, either way, because he was you doomed. are he was doomed either way. And because it, he says mm-hmm. it's a it's motivated by race. He calls the guy a scumbag, but that is not the exact verbiage right. that Steve Peoples prefers. And so look, I just think it's dishonest to say that that is not a condemnation. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. I wanna also point out that uh there was a Democratic Congress uh, not Democratic Congresswoman, Democratic councilwoman there who did speak up for him and said, said, hey, 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 like, he's here. I, I appreciate that you're here, Governor, because you can hear from the community. And then she said to the crowd, this is not about parties. A bullet doesn't know a party. Yeah. And to my mind, that person, who we've heard almost nothing about, is to be commended. Yeah. Because it is not great form to be booing people when they're addressing a tragedy and they came there for that reason expressly. And I would say this for the right, if it's doing it to Biden, right? And when Obama used to go and speak about things, if he did a good job and it was a tragedy and we were all trying to work on it as a nation, I would always tweet, 
I think he did a nice job yeah. with what he needed to talk about here. Right. Now, Biden recently has not done a nice job, so I did not say that he did a nice job in Maui, for instance. No, he right? took a real victory lap out there. But I do think, you know, here we are again with political violence that's very tragic. And also, if the press erases all other forms of political violence, mm. then, of course, it looks like only one side is yeah. doing political violence. And that that's is right. not an accurate picture of where we are. And perhaps the accurate picture is even more depressing because it's happening on both sides, right? right. But if you'll remember the Nashville shooting, which was likely oh. politically motivated against Christian conservative mm -hmm. children, yeah, the real victims we learned was a shooter. were the trans citizens of yeah. Tennessee mm -hmm. and the legislators yeah. who led a mob into the Capitol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in Tennessee. Right. Those were the real victims of that shooting somehow. So it's a very different standard. Yeah. And, and, and they're not blaming the shooter. No. You know, and, and in fact, you're not allowed to talk about it. And let's just move on. Yes. And as we still, heinous oh, crime as it was. And I do think that this should be sort of a across the board rule. If we're releasing manifestos, we're releasing manifestos. If we're not releasing mm -hmm. manifestos, we're not releasing manifestos. I do not appreciate this thing where when the motivations are acceptable to right. Right. the mainstream as a storyline. Well, part of it's part of the narrative motivated by fear, cowardice. And you know, there's some yeah, lobbying groups are much more powerful than others. Right. And that's going to re result, for example, in the, the uh, not releasing, at least for now, right. uh, this manifesto. Well, we did, not, there's an we did not hear we did not hear the Nashville one. Oh. It's been many months yeah, yeah. since then. This one, we very quickly had a motive. Yep. We very quickly understood what was driving this? And I'm just saying, could we just do it across the board? No. And the answer is the no. The answer is no. The answer is no. Yeah. But I think it's bad because it makes it, it creates, it's more than bad, but mm -hmm. it creates this vicious cycle where more, this becomes more politicized because people are politicizing it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm speaking up to defend against the politicization, right. which then becomes like seemingly political. It's all, it's all a vicious cycle, Vic. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and it doesn't help us at Well, it's all. like, you know, I, I, what did they want DeSantis to say? Did they want to say, you know what? I was wrong. It is a dangerous place, you know, for African-Americans. Please don't come here. And no, the they, people who live here, please. You know, I was wrong. What they want is As for, opposed to Chicago, which is really safe. What they want know. is for him to be a Democrat yeah. and to show up and give up all views that he has ever had in his entire life, yeah. recant them entirely, and then... Like, not just be a Democrat, but be as vocal and as angry as anyone else on the left about Donald Trump. And then maybe, yeah, maybe you get, could get a couple MSNBC a little, a couple hits. A couple hits. Okay. <laughs> oh, my dear. Do you want to talk about the moon? Yes, but I have to pull up that. <laughs> I have to pull up that story real quick. Oh, <clears throat> I would also say, speaking of media bias real quick, because I know we cover this a lot. But I was on Media Buzz this oh, past yes. weekend with nice. Howie Kurtz, and we talked about how Rachel Maddow and CNN as well had had chosen not to carry President Trump's remarks on his mugshot and arraignment right. and all the, the proceedings in Atlanta. And Rachel Maddow said hilariously that, you know, she has to know that there's a real cost to this news organization if they run untrue information. And I was like, really now, Rachel? <laughs> the 
the lead purveyor of yeah. Russiagate nonsense. Yeah. And she's like, you know, false information on this news channel could be a real problem for us. Like, again, this is one of my problems with my friends on the left is like more speech, not less. Yeah. Just have the president do his thing. You've you've led the broadcast with him for yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. You've stomped all over all but, the substantive conversations we had during the debate. Mm-hmm. Let him have his say for a minute and a mm-hmm. half. Probably it'll even do him harm because he shouldn't be talking without a lawyer on a tarmac anyway. Right. But they're too scared to have him just free form, yeah. you know, extemporaneously talk without them controlling what the narrative is. If they just gave him this open platform, he could say whatever. The assumption is whatever is coming out of his mouth is going to be lies and full stop. Therefore, we will not show him ever. What are they going to do with during the debate? You, th- you think they'll have like Biden on one side and then just blank? Just and then like Biden and then out. blank. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> just a, a black box, like a censored black box. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. All right. But I, I should wrap that by saying our prayers to those who yeah. are who are on right. the ground in Jacksonville affected and continued prayers for Maui, where I oh. wrote about this for OutKick last week, and you can read it there. But just the failure upon failure upon failure upon failure yeah. by leadership, by government leadership, mm-hmm. some of the electric company leadership, just... Yeah awful on every front and it's going to take a very long time for and, anything and to try, reach and try and and the media and we, we we covered this drew holden covered this for us in the washington free beacon the media all jumping on climate change is the reason for this not a down power line and they sh- didn't shut off the, right. the, the the electricity right which caused and there's massive overgrowth of vegetation there that apparently is not the issue it's just they're just going to blame it on i mean climate and i, I wrote about this and it's sort of the the, the theme of all of this mm-hmm. that climate change is the ultimate for a left of center politician the ultimate get out of accountability Mm -hmm. free card because it puts and look i don't even care what you think about climate change the politician should be taking responsibility for failures that happened on his watch and this is sort of a total he can just say you know it was the planet that did it and if it wasn't the planet it was these dastardly republicans who stopped me from stopping the planet to do it and it's like well no we have actual information about this and by the way the things you were supposed to do you didn't do, and you should yeah. take responsibility for that. And there's very, just very, very little of that. And you know, and also in a previous episode, I think I mentioned, or at least I wanted to mention that when this uh, horrible uh, tragedy occurred, uh, that Hawaiian Electric was exposing themselves to a very large potential lawsuit. And sure enough, the city of Maui is now suing. Yeah. So Oof. this is Moon News. Moon. Not that kind, Vic. Moon. I, you, know, you know what's funny, though? When you sent me the email, it said Blue Moon. I thought you meant the beer. No, not the okay. beer. This is the actual moon. I'm telling you guys this because I forget these things, and then it'll happen, and I'm like, dang it, why didn't someone tell me? This didn't come across my across my info. <laughs> On you Wednesday. Never, you always find out after, by I the do. Way. It's On, not like, oh, my gosh, so here's Saturn. Here know, we okay. are on top of it right now. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, August 30th, you will hear about a supermoon. You can go view it. At noon Eastern on 5th Wednesday of August, the moon will arrive at perigee. I don't even know what that is. It's, Dang closest, it, is... it's the closest to the Earth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the point is, look for the moon tomorrow. That's my whole point. But at noon? I don't know. At it's, noon. Yeah. With the sun, isn't the sun out at noon? But apparently that. I mean, you could still, it's true, you could see the moon. It just looks different, obviously. It's not going to have the glow. This is coming from a science expert, as yes, you know. Yes, obviously. This is what I am. You know what it's going to look like? It's going to look like the Death Star in Rogue One. It's going to be so big. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if it's actually going to look blue. They say they suggest that 
perhaps it will cute. just look full. But it's going to be a it's going to be a yes. big full moon. I keep on yeah, but in the middle of the day, I keep on being but let I down by these moons. The- <laughs> you know what I want? You ever see these posters and it's like a picture of the city and then the moon is rising and it's like the size of the Death Star, you know? And right. I'm like I've never seen the moon that but you ever take a picture of the moon it sucks you know oh, it's like this totally white little dot one and you're like you have no idea but it was really amazing one of my least yeah. favorite things about the supermoons is the instagram coverage of supermoons it's like guys i don't i don't need much like fireworks we don't need to see your amateur <laughs> of, version of this of this you know what i want to say i'll tell you what i want to see because you hyped this up so much, Mary mm-hmm. Catherine. I'm expecting to see the moon from E.T. Yes. You know, when the kid's on the bike and they go over. Okay. That's what's yeah, going to happen. I'm, I'm okay. I, I will right. tell you. you uh, gotta, well, we'll, let, listen, you know what, listen, we'll you, let you know later this week how it went. You got to see it tomorrow because the next super blue moon after this one will not be seen until January 2037, mm-hmm. according mm-hmm. to NASA. And let me well, look. I, look, I got something a little less technical for you guys. Let me let me read up on this a little bit live as we're doing this. <laughs> just, I stopped doing what I look. I have my. I was you ready to wrap up. Like, you, wait, what? What's happening? You know happening? what I'm like? I'm like Trump reading a teleprompter. You, you like I've never know. seen right, it before. That's right. Okay. Okay. Call Fefty. <laughs> continue. Here, quick. Three points. Because Axios is going to break down for you guys. Okay. During a supermoon, the moon looks slightly brighter and around 14% larger than when it's farthest from Earth per NASA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though it may be difficult to perceive the size difference. It better not be, according to Vic. The blue and blue moon doesn't refer to color, unfortunately, but frequency or rarity. It's used to describe a second full moon in a calendar month, which typically have only one full moon. Mm-hmm. The coming supermoon is a blue moon since it's the second one to occur in August, as the definition suggests. So now... You guys have all the info, and you okay, can good. Go look up at the sky good. and are, take underwhelming pictures. Are are you done now? Because my interest in this moon story is waning. Uh, it's waning. Uh, that wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can also follow the podcast at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram, where you can find our moderately right and moderately reliable content. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs>